Why so many names? You know, it's kind of weird because if you go through the list of names, it, it, it is extreme. There's a ton of names. And so uh, I, I heard a Christian uh, walked up to a Muslim one time and he overheard him praying. And have you guys ever been around a Muslim praying before? Has anybody been in the presence of that? So I, I have a number of different times, very passionate, very dedicated of what they do. And the Christian asked him and said, uh, when you pray, what are you praying? And he said, well, one of the things that we do is we, I, I pray to my God and I call him by name. And he says, my God. And he rattled off, I can't remember, some astronomical number of names that Allah has. And then he turned to the Christian and he said, how many names does your God have? And the guy said, I stood there and had no response. He said, I mean, I know he's God and I know he's Jesus and I know he's Lord. But if the Bible is filled with the names of God, don't you guys think it's intentional? It's not random. It's not just like, we'll throw in another name and see if he, they can pick up on that. No, it was, it was intentional. So names, names are a big deal. And we kind of opened up with the, Pastor Chris did a great job of this the week before last. But I, I want to kind of break down the names because some of the names in the Bible are not names of God. They're descriptions of God. So there's the given names of God, which is his identity. So my name is Tony William Liuzzo. My name is not Anthony. My name is not Antonio. My name is Tony. I'm one of the only Tonys that is named Tony that's actually Tony, because right? most people that are called Tony are Anthony, but I was uh, given the name. That is my given name. Now, I have nicknames, uh, you know, that uh, I've been given by uh, my mom. Never mind. I shouldn't be telling you guys this. <laughs> I'll never live it down. Uh, I was extremely skinny is, uh, when I was a, a kid, and my mom used to talk about that all the time, and she called me Tony Bone. That's the, she called me uh, ever since I was a kid, and she still calls me that. When she calls me today, she'll say, it's like, Mom, I'm 46 years old. It's time for another name. So, but we have, then there's titles that represent us. There's son, husband, dad, pastor, preacher, doctor, and, and those, those kind of like give identity it's not, it's not my name. You know, I, some people go by the name dad, but it's still not their given name. Uh, but it does give credibility. If, if somebody came up, let's say I got hurt. I'm laying on the ground and I'm hurt. And somebody came up and said, I've got a friend named Tom that can fix that. Well, not this time, but let's say a Tom. It's the first name they gave. And I was like, uh, I'm good. <laughs> I was like, take your friend and go away. But if they came up and said, this is my friend, his name is Dr. Stevens. Okay, all of this said, and I'm like, go at it. <laughs> why, why is that? The title of doctor gives credibility to the name. So there's a lot of descriptors that we have in Scripture uh, that gives us this. My, my goal is for us to know the names of God, to understand what we learn about God through his name, because the names of God came through stories of God. He introduced himself in a situation that the name applied. It wasn't like we read a chapter in the Bible and it just rattles them all off. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, I'm going to give you one in Deuteronomy that has three of the main names of God all simultaneously lift, listed. But then there's kind of nicknames that we have. Uh, there, there's like if, that are descriptors. So like when your kids are little, you call them little man or baby boy or buddy or princess. As they get older, you give names that describe them, chubby cheeks, stinkers. Uh, have any of you ever called your kid stinker? Okay. There's a reason for that. Smiles or dimple or cutie pie or pumpkin or whatever. When they get to be toddlers, you call them tornado or something like that. 
You know, when they, when they become teenagers, you switch the, t- the nickname to like bottomless pit if you have teenage boys. So God has given us his name and he's given us his descriptions. Uh, like throw some out me, throw some descriptions of God that are his descriptions, but it's not his name. Who can tell me? Holy. Holy. It's a good one. It describes him. How about in Psalms, Proverbs, Psalms and Proverbs? Shepherd. High tower, shield, rock, my defense. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We could go on and on and on. And I don't pray and say, dear high tower. You know, I, I, you, know you don't pray like that. But I can say, God is my high tower. So there's descriptions of that. He has the titles of heavenly father and prince of peace and king of kings. And he's got these descriptions of rock and fortress and refuge and all these things. So I went by way of introduction just to kind of explain why God laid this on my heart to do this about the names of God and how to handle the names of God and even how, how we apply the names of God. So in Philippians 2.9, it says, Wherefore God has also hath exalted him, given him a name that is above every name. So God's given us a name describing that his name is greater. Whatever it is used in life, it's a name that's above every uh, every other name. It's a description above every other description. So I, I have been able to meet some cool people. I, I, I tell you guys this story a few times about the day that I met Mike Pence, and I was able to sit down with him and have a prayer meeting with him and stuff like that as he was running for vice president and stuff. So, I mean, being able to have somebody and say, who is this? It was At the time, it was Governor Mike Pence, and then later I could have said, I met Vice President Mike Pence. Well, that's a name, and it's a powerful name. And you say, throw out the name president, it's a name. See, what God was telling us, there's a name that's above every name. I don't care what the description or the title, whatever it is, God says, I'm higher than those names. So if he's the owner of a company, the mayor, the judge, the captain, the president, whatever it is, he was saying, I'm giving a name that trumps every single one of those names. It's greater. His authority surpasses. It's, it's greater than Muhammad or Gandhi or Buddha. It's, it's, it's the name that we bow to. It's a name that we respect. It's the name that we follow. His name is greater. But it's also in Matthew 6, 9, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, I think this is cool. How many of you guys could say that when you pray, you, you use other names of God? Would, would you say that? Does anybody have any descriptions of that? Brother Fenway, do you have any example of when you, when you do that? Like praying different names of God? The Lord's Prayer. Okay. Uh, anybody else have another example? Jason? Abba, Father. Abba. Anybody else that have an illustration like that? So when Jesus, when, when Jesus was given the illustration of the names of God, he said, notice how he says, in the manner, therefore, that you pray. He's talking about in this way, our Father, which art in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be thy name. So that we got the description of going before God in prayer, but at the same time, he says, when we do that, hallowed be thy name. The name hallowed means to make holy. It, it means to sanctify. It literally means to set it apart. It, it means that when we name the name of God, we don't flippantly put it out there. Now, th- this can kind of touch on some toes because some, there's some bad habits that we make with this. But the name of God is holy. It's righteous. It's different. It's not to be thrown around. It's not to be thrown out. When we just random conversation Bible explains that we worship his name, we praise his name, 
We love his name. We pray in his name. And the Bible says that we should not take the name of the Lord God in vain. It, it literally means don't take it. Don't let it be empty. Do not use his name that, uh, that takes away from the glory of God in any way possible. And you guys know today, is, is that true in our culture today? Does that, is that how culture views the name of God? And not at all. It's the, actually, it's the complete opposite when it comes to that. So it, when, when they would write the Bible, they would make copies of the Bible and they'd come to the name of God. And I know a lot of you guys have heard this, that, that, that the scribes would actually get up, wash their hands, go change their garment, come back, break the pen that they were, get a new pen to be able to sit there and write the name of God. Why do you think they did that? In their mind, it's something special. It's something significant. It's, it, it's recognizing it. It's the holiness of God. Have you ever thought about when Moses went to the burning bush and he walked up to him and he said, what, did, what, did, what was the instruction that God told him to do before he walked forward? Take his shoes, take his shoes off. Why did he tell him to take his shoes off? It's holy ground. It was, it was, it was, uh, and he mentally, he, God said, I want you to physically do something to recognize the fact that you were in the presence of God. And when it comes to the name of God, God wants us to recognize that it is a name that's above every other name. It's not to be used flippantly. It's not to be used passive. And I think we get some bad habits almost from the world when it comes to this. I was, when it came to the name Yahweh or Jehovah, I was listening to a Jewish rabbi teach on this, and it was fascinating. I mean, so fascinating because of the history and stuff that they were bringing up. But he was bringing up the names, the three primary names of God, in Elohim, Adonai, and Jehovah. But he didn't say that. No, no joke. I mean, he literally, they take this serious. He said, it's Adonai, it's Elohim, and then he just pointed. And he wouldn't do anything with it. And he just says, and we have this name right here. Does everybody know this name right here? But none of the crowd or nobody there would speak that name. It was the unspeakable name. They had so much respect for that deep meaning of God's name that they would not even speak the name of God. And, and that's true with a lot of Jews um, that, that study, especially um, in our culture today, that's so continued. So today in Hollywood, one of their favorite curse words, have you ever noticed, is God or GD that they will use like that, or, 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 or and I, I'm, I'm even, man, I'm struggling with the words to say, because I want to say the name of my God, if, whether it's Jesus or Jesus Christ, and they, but they say it in, in a demonstration of frustration. They're not saying it. Gary? Right. Have you ever wondered that? And, and, it's not, and it's not just God that they do that with. It's, it's Jesus, all the names that we, we have and we worship and when it comes to things like that, that they, they take our name. And you say that there's no attack on that. No, there's an, an obvious attack on our God when it comes to that. But here's a, Christian, a warning to us Christians. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Literally means a lot of things. And John explained this too about bearing the name of God and not doing it with emptiness. But it means flippantly saying things like, listen to this, just like flippantly saying, oh my God. Or flippantly saying, oh Jesus. Or flippantly saying Jesus Christ or anything like that. When you throw it out in a, in a moment of frustration, a moment of aggravation, or, or, or when, you're, when, you're, when you hit your thumb or in a time of hurt or whatever, 
Uh, if you are not saying it to honor or bless or praise him, then we should not be saying the name of God. It, it should, it, we're misusing it. And I say that because we, we get into bad habits of that. But it's like when he was, Jesus was teaching them to pray and he was talking about the names and lifting up their voices to pray to God and pray in his name. But he said, be reminded, hallowed be thy name or holy or sanctified, separated. Use it special because, because it's powerful. So if you are using the name of God, notice what the Bible says. Uh, Psalm 69 verse 30, I will praise the name of God. Man, if I'm saying the name Jesus, it better be because I'm praising or witnessing the, with the name of God. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Give unto the Lord glory due to his name. It, it, it deserves glory. It deserves honor. It's, we protect it. We praise it. It's, it's not like a, a rag where I make a mess and I grab the name of God to clean it up. You guys know what I'm saying? You say, well, we would never do that. Well, some ways we do that. I think if the name is powerful and the name is to be hallowed, no wonder Satan loves it when we say it using it flippantly because we're taking something that is sacred. It would be like, like spilling a drink and going to get a wedding dress, something that you have preserved for something special, and then using that to clean that up. And you say, I would never do that. But sometimes we do that with the name of God. It, his name is greater. His name is to be honored, but his name holds power. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. The word excellent in the Old Testament literally means strong. It represents something. I mean, when we say the name of God, it's representing something powerful, if I'm, if I'm using it. Just the same way that if I was to say the name Hitler, what comes to your mind? Evil. And so it's, it, it's associated with something. But the name of God always associate with something of his greatness or his holiness, and that there's power in his name. Um, his name represents love. His name represents the cross. It represents salvation. It represents authority and power. It carries authority and the power. In Revelation, it says, uh, Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive evermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. You think of what he says, it's the name of God holds power over death, hell, and the grave. I mean, it, it holds authority. That's, that's why when we pray, and, and uh, I, I was really convicted because, and you guys call me out on this if I ever do this, and I'm okay with this. I, I pray in authority because I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. But you know, sometimes I've gotten into a lazy habit of doing something bad, and I say, and in your name we pray, Amen. And maybe some of you guys do that. And I'm, I'm not saying that God's looking at me saying, you're a horrible person or whatever, but my God has a name. I'm, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus because the name of a Jesus is where there's authority. I'm going to pray in his name. And he, he holds the, the deed and the power and authority. He calls us shots. The Bible says, you think about it, when it comes to salvation, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon God. Have you ever thought about that? It says, whosoever shall call upon what? The name of the Lord. The of the Lord. It's like, because we'll get into this in a minute. When it comes to the name Elohim, there's a lot of false gods that go by that. But the only one that can save me is Jesus Christ. So I call upon the one that died on the cross and rose again. I call on the name of the Lord who shall, uh, that we are saved by the name of the Lord. And is, is, he is the way. 
Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none, uh, no other name or none other name under heaven given by where you might, must be saved. And you think about how powerful every time it associates salvation, it's not just associating it with the cross. It's not just associating it with church. It's not associating with just with the blood, but with the title or the representation of the name of Jesus Christ. It is his authority. That at, think about this at the end, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow the things of heaven, the things of earth, and the things under the earth. You think about those standing before God at the end, and they say Jesus, and every atheist, and every wicked person that's ever done, and we have, you know, we talk about Hitler and all these other people, every knee shall bow. His name is greater. His name is to be honored. His name holds power. But let me finish with this. And this is just an introduction that I wanted to do, but his name should be known. He, I, I, this is a cool story, and I love this. It's, he, he wants us to know his name. He wanted the children of Israel to know him by name. And if he didn't want us to know his name, he wouldn't have given his names in the, in the Bible. He wouldn't have written it out so many times. So he wants us to know his name. So he said this himself when he was, when he was talking to Moses about the children of Israel being in bondage in Egypt. This is what God told him and said, I want uh, to, uh, you to deliver them out and take them out. But this is how he described it. And, and, he, and God spake unto Moses, and he said unto him, I am the Lord. And he appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by the name Jehovah was I not known unto them. Do you guys get what he's saying in that passage? He's saying, I've got my people that at the beginning of it, they knew me as God Almighty. But by the name Jehovah, they did not know me. So he was saying, they, I want them to know me, I, but they don't know me by this name. They knew God, but they did not know him as the other name. And God, it mattered to God that they knew him in this way. So the, no, the name that they knew them by was El Shaddai. It was God or God Almighty. But by Jehovah, they did not know. Now, I, I can't wait to get into the name Jehovah because Jehovah is associated all the way in Genesis chapter 2 is where we get that name that's introduced for that. Because at the beginning of it, it was all Elohim. But then it goes from Elohim into Jehovah, and the whole situation changes. The, the, the depth of the conversation that God was explaining to us of his nature and his character changed that. He says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. We begin to see God explaining his heart and the connection that he wanted to step into their life. You, you see, a lot of us have a distant relationship with them. I, you know, let me give you an example of this. And I started off with that, this kind of thing. Uh, what do most people at church call me? Pastor Tony. You might be thinking of other names, but we won't talk. But Pastor Tony. <laughs> Say, but if I go home, do you think anybody in my house is calling me Pastor Tony? No. Not, not at all. Uh, unless Jordan's being sarcastic. You know, sometimes he'll say, Dad, you answer quicker to Pastor Tony than you do to Dad sometimes. And I don't know if that's true or whatever. Uh, but at home, I go by Dad or Jenny calls me Honey or something like that. And the thing is, some people only know me from a distance. Being on this stage, they only know my, by my title. But at home, there's a personal connection that I have, and they know me by a different name. God was saying, they know me as the Creator. They call out to me as the Creator but by Jehovah, which is the personal presence of God in their lives, they don't know me in that way. So he says, I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, 
whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. I made them a promise. I want them to know that I know that they hurt. I want to step into their hurts. I want to break them free from their hurts. I want you to go tell them who I am and what I came to do. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. That's a really powerful statement. He said, I want you literally to walk into their hurts. He, he literally lays it out and describes all the pain, the suffering, the bondage that they have, the fact that they are separated from the, the promises of God. They're, they're not where they were promised to be. And he said, I want you to walk in there and say that I am the Lord. I want you to walk in and introduce myself and I will bring them out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. He said, I want them to know that I will be their deliverer. I have the power to do so. I I, I have the resources. So if you go back to verse two, it says, and God spake unto Moses and said, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and to Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by the name of Jehovah was I not known unto them. And he gives them a different name. Goes from, they know me as El Shaddai, but they don't know me as Jehovah. So let's break down one name tonight. That's what I want to do. And then from here on out, every time we meet, we're going to just be taking names. We're going to break it down, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, but I just, as we do this, I, I, I want us to keep in. It, it, the names of God are powerful. God wants us to know. God wants us to, to call him out to him by these names, know what they sign, uh, the significance of them in our lives. And he says three basic names that we have of God and all the other names that we build upon will come from this. In Deuteronomy ten seventeen, for the Lord your God is a God of gods, the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons nor taketh reward. So let's start over. I want to show you guys the three names of God that are in this passage. For the Lord, and if you notice, it's capital L-O-R-D. That is the name for Yahweh or Jehovah. So he starts at the beginning and he says, For the Lord, the unspoken name or the personal name of God that he displays himself through relationships, is God, of, is your God, is God. That is Elohim of Elohim. That is creator God. That is the inventor, the author, the beginning God. The Lord of Lords. That is Adonai of Adonai. A great God, a mighty, terrible God, which doesn't mean terrible like we know it's terrible. It means awesome, which regardeth not persons. He's not partial. He does not show favoritism, nor taketh reward. He cannot be bribed. So all of the names that we're going to learn is based off of these three basic names. It's Jehovah, or you could say Yahweh. It's Elohim, or it's Adonai. See, these are the three foundational names. So we're going to start with Elohim. So the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think that's probably a verse that most of us would memorize. We know that one like the back of our hand. But in the beginning, God created. It's, the word God is a very generic term. So if you're going to look it up, even as false gods, it still means the name Elohim. Okay, so if you see that, you say, well, he's not, it's not the same as us worshiping a false god. And you're absolutely right. It, there's a different significance to it. But it's a very generic name. It means supreme being. That's why there's Greek gods and false gods and all the other things that we know when it comes to other gods. It is a title like master or mom or dad. So it's a title that even false gods uses in their name. 
So uh, if, you, if you were talking about moms, there's a generic title. So if I, Mother's Day, I stood up and I said, I want all the moms to stand up at this time. It's a title given to them. But it's also a specific name because if I was at home, I would walk boldly up to my mom and say, Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. In that instance, the word mom is a title. So what we're doing is God is declaring the name that he says, I know it's a name given to powerful beings that the world associates with. But he says, when it comes to me, I want you to call me by being the God or the Elohim. And this is how God explains it. For the Lord is great God and a great king above all gods. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. He declares this from the very beginning, explaining to him that I am the God. There is no other gods, although the word God is used when they're describing false gods. So let's go back to the beginning and let's kind of walk through this and we'll learn what the word Elohim means. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. So in the beginning, God, he was writing or stating that the book, he was the author of the book. It's the beginning of when you open it up and you take your Bible and you're saying, who is the author? If you read any other book, you would go to the back or the front and you'd be able to see that it was written by John Maxwell or whoever it was. You'd be able to see the author. At the very beginning of the book, it's declaring that he is the God. He's declaring that God is there before anybody or anything. The word God in that passage is the Greek word or Hebrew word Elohim. It means this. It means supreme one or mighty one. It means the fullness of might. It means he had the power. It means that he had completeness. It means that he had the, the ability to speak things into existence. Uh, Elohim means from the very beginning. It means that he is the author. It means that he is the, the inventor. or He was the start of this. In two chapters of the Bible, in these first two chapters, we find creation. We also find the word Elohim or creator God or self-existing God 35 times. And the reason for that is God is declaring this. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. That's who he is. So at the very beginning, if we're going to say, where do we come from? Where do we come from? Who are we made by? What is the purpose of it? He puts himself at the top of it. I am Elohim. I am your creator. Nothing happens without me. I am the author of all. I am the master of all. I am Elohim. He is the creator. Um, when you go outside, and this is cool. Have you guys noticed like some of the sun uh, sets that we've had lately? You know, during vacation Bible school, we were taking pictures outside. And we're seeing the kids playing and everything like that. And then in the, the background of it, it was this beautiful sight. So what is the reference of God that we would use in that phrase? There would be nothing wrong saying, wow, look at what Elohim has done. That is the creator of God. He's the one that created that. He's the one that gave us those things. It is, it's from the world, they'll look at it as the big guy upstairs or, you know, the disrespectful ways that they'll talk about it. But the children of God knew him in this way. They knew him as God from the distance but God didn't want to just be known as the God in the distance, as the creator. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that we pray and we understand and we, we respect God as God creator. But God wants us to know him more than just that at the beginning. But in this instance, we're studying and understanding what it means to call him Elohim. He was known as God. And God said, let's make man in our likeness. So he's not only Elohim, the creator of everything, but let's make it a little more personal. He is Elohim, the creator of us. 
When God said, Let make, let's make man in our image, he was literally making it personal. God created us. Which, think about this. If God created us, he's the owner of us. He's the master of us. We submit, the earth submits to God. We are to submit to God. The Bible says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to God. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We are not created to be as God, but we're created in the image of God, after the likeness of God. Literally, God created us special so that we'd have a relationship with him. We were created to be part of him. That is the reason why we were created in the image of God. Have you ever wondered why? I mean, when the Bible talks about that we were created in the image of God, why, 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 in what ways are we created in the image of God? You guys tell me that. In what ways are we created in the image of God? In the Trinity? And at the beginning of this, he said that. He said, let us. Who was the us? Have you ever thought of that? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It was from the very beginning. So in the likeness of the Trinity. What else? What's another way that we're created to be in the likeness of God? Created to be loved. We're created to be loved. We're created to give love. You think about, if we're created in the image of God, uh, I mean, I have a dog, and I'll be honest, that dog does love me, I think. I mean, it's like the only pet that I've ever had that shows love and affection. It comes up and licks you and wants to sit on your lap and follows you all along. It does irritate me, but it's, it's kind of cool in some ways. Don't tell Jenny I said that, but it is. But I mean, for the most part, creation doesn't understand love, but we do. We were created in the image of God. That is why... And I don't think I'd be surprised to get the response of this if I was to say, would any of you give your life for your own kid? You say, absolutely. Why is that? Because of the fact is we were created in the image of God. We have joy. We have passion. We have excitement. We have, we have love. We, we have all the different things. You think about the fruit of the Spirit. What does the fruit of the Spirit come from? It comes from the Spirit of God living inside of us. The evidence or the outpouring of who God is coming out of our life. You say at the beginning, when he said, let us make man in our own image, it's a matter of us chasing after God and being able to worship him on Sunday and worship him in your car and be able to pray to him, be able to have a conversation with him. Now, I've had conversations with our dog, but it doesn't go very far. But with God, we have the ability to get on our hands and knees and pray to him, and he speaks to us. It's emotions. It's feelings. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we were created by the creator for God to have a relationship with God. So we were, you think about it, if, if, if this is true, we were created by Elohim, if we were created in that image of him and we were created for that purpose, that is why I truly believe that so many people feel so lost in life. It's like something's missing, something's not there, something's wrong, you know. And the only way that they discover that is discovering a relationship with Jesus Christ. They, they know that something's missing. They have to have that relationship. And we talk about, man, when you get saved, your whole life changes. Part of it is you discover Elohim. What do you discover? I know where I came from. I know why I'm here. I know who loved me. I know who made me. And all the pieces make sense. So I want to I close a little different. And I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, or your iPhones, or whatever you got. And I want, I want to just uh, show you something of Elohim. I want to show you a prayer in the Bible. And I think this is important because I think if we're going to know the names of God, we need to be able to pray 
and acknowledge what that means. Um, I, I've told you guys, if you guys were part of my prayer series when I did this, um, I, I, I pray for Logan all the time. I mean, I, 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 I truly think that I have a better understanding of what it means to pray without ceasing. I mean, it's, it consumes your mind. It consumes your heart. It really does. And when I pray, I have been studying the names of God, and that's part of the reason that I wanted to do this, because I have a lot of the names of God in my phone, in my prayer list that I pray through, and I call on Him in those names. But it's weird that I didn't think that Elohim would be one of those names that I could use when I pray to God, just because He's Creator, an Almighty One. And I know that makes sense, but Jehovah Rapha makes more sense because He's the God that heals. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or the God of peace. So I'm thinking, I'm going to pray to the God that heals and the God that gives peace because that makes sense. But let me walk up, back up a little bit. And I know I said this to some of you guys, but I just want you to know my, my thought process. I, and and I, I have thought that, that his body is made up of cells. Well, who made cells? I mean, God created all. God invented that. I mean, cancer is made of cells. But then I thought, his name is a name above every name. It's, it's, a name above, it's, it's a name above every surgeon. It's a, I, I could rattle off all the doctors I want because I don't want to sound like I'm disrespecting them or whatever, but a lot of them have been wrong uh, of treating Logan and stuff. And, but I, I go to the name that's above even their name, and, and OSU is the third largest research hospital in America. I mean, it's huge. And we're blessed beyond description to have Children's Hospital down the street and Ohio State University down the street. We are. But Elohim means that it's a name that's above even the name and title of them. So I pray to the God that has the authority over the doctors, over the nurses, and even over the cells that are in my son's body. So I pray to the creator of my son, the creator of father and son relationship, the creator of his body, the creator of the research, the creator of the hospital, and it gives me confidence. So in Psalms 18, verse 6, can we just kind of slowly read through this. It says, in my distress. Has anybody ever been there? You know what I'm saying? In my distress, I call upon the Lord. So what's going on in this passage? You guys tell me, what is he doing? What do we call this? He's praying. He's He's like, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried unto my God. Guess what God is in that passage? Elohim. I am, I am going to cry. It, it, did you guys notice that he uses Jehovah, capital L-O-R-D, and I called and cried unto my God, Elohim. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. God is not a distant God that does not get me. Do you know Why? Because my God, Elohim, the creator, the author, the beginning, the one that was at the beginning, the one that will be at the end, he heard my cry. Now, notice the description because it describes Elohim. And I, I know it's describing God as a whole and it describes him in other ways. But the artistic ability to describe God in this manner is powerful. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because of his wrath. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire of his mouth devoured, coals kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. He rode upon the cherub and did fly 
He did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed. Hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord, which is Jehovah, also thundered the heavens. And the highest gave his voice, hailstones and the coals of fire. Yea, he sent out of his arrows and scattered them. And he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. The channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke. O Lord, thou hast blasted the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me were too strong for me. They prevented me the day and night of my calamity. But my Lord was, by, was my stay. He brought me forth into a large place. He delivered me. Because he delighteth in me. Now, I, I, I know that's extremely poetic. But think about the description. What, what did you gather out about what was described as God? Is any, did any of you guys pick that up about the hail and then the lightning and, and, and all the, his nostrils? He was literally describing him as the one that was like the, 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 the master of the creation. The author of the, the lightning, the, the power of the storm. He was the one that had the power over the enemy and the power over those that were trying to conflict him. He was saying, my God, my creator is above all things. My Elohim, that is not just a distant God, but he wraps it into Jehovah, which I know we haven't really got into Jehovah, but he was saying, he's not just the God of creator, he's the God that holds my hand. The combination of that. And he, and he says that throughout this. Think about when God created um, the seas and he created the storms and he created the atmosphere and he created all these things. And then Jesus comes and he's in the boat with the disciples. Now, I'll, I'll end with this and just keep this in mind as we're doing this. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Isn't that powerful? For the, for the recognition of that, for them to be in the boat and they're like scared to death and like backing up and they're like, dude, did, did this, then the waves and the, the storm and the lightning and the thunder just stop at his voice? They recognized their creator. It's exactly right. They, they recognized the creator, the Elohim that was with them. So my question to you guys is, do you recognize him as your creator? He is Elohim. Elohim. 